Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hello lovely humans, welcome to Courage and Spice. I'm recording this on the 1st of July, it's a Thursday afternoon and I have about 24 hours of work left before my summer break. I cannot even put into words how I feel about that (laughs) and it's not all good but I really wanted to talk about this because like summer's just getting going here but it feels to me like I'm still in 2020 in some ways. Like I've worked right through the whole pandemic and in some ways this has been really healthy for me, but I'm so ready for a break. And I've known this for months and I found I've really needed some time to prepare for this because I didn't just want to have a week or two off. I wanted to experiment pretty intentionally with deep rest like proper extended rest and this is something I have such a crunchy relationship with and I know that some of you will really relate to this it's brought up so many thoughts and feelings for me just in preparing for this so I really wanted to share my experience and how I've been able to create what is starting to feel like the potential for a really spacious summer with some intention So my plan is to kind of finish up tomorrow and then I'm going to just be working Mondays and Tuesdays. And Tuesday I only do kind of three actual hours of work because I'm, it ends up being about four and a half hours, but it's the training classes for the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. So it's really going to be about one and a half full days of work that I'm going down to. Now, I really want to share how I've been able to create that. And of course, everything is contextual, right? So I work from home. I'm child-free by choice. I'm self-employed and my business is pretty well established. It makes a lot of profit and it's sustainable. And I say this for a couple of reasons. One is that comparisons are maddening because we're never comparing like for like. And these external factors mean that we could be coming from, from wildly different levels of responsibility and availability of time so if you have young kids if you're a carer if you have a disability if you're in the first few years of self-employment all of these factors are going to impact the finite amount of time that we have in any given day and and so how much of that is actually available for rest So I absolutely hate that saying, you have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce because it's such a lie. Like Beyonce is magical, no argument there. But she does have a shit ton more help than the average bear, right? And it's just a ridiculous amount of pressure to heap on anyone to say that you should just be as amazing as Beyonce. So let's not do that to each other, right? So I really want to just be very transparent about my level of responsibility and my capacity for restful space. But I also want to share some of my personal context, like the protective beliefs and behaviors that I experience around rest. And actually, I think these are having more of an impact 
on my ability and willingness to allow myself to rest than anything else that's going on. So I'm really good at getting things done, at pushing through challenges, solving problems, getting shit sorted. That's my sweet spot. My growth edge is softening into rest. So being really idle, daydreaming, abandoning the calendar, having no plans, right? I'm pretty unpracticed at this. It's out of preference for me. It makes me feel a little anxious. It, and it feels almost embarrassing to admit that, but having nothing in my calendar sometimes creates anxiety for me. I, I interpret that as, I need to fill this up, I need to do something. And about half a dozen years ago, I think, Ash and I went to France for 10 days. We had this amazing house just outside of a village. We just got Bodhi and it was this lovely holiday. And on day one, <laughs> I lost my shit because the Wi-Fi was terrible. And I had assumed that I would be able to do a little work. And it was this incredibly interesting conversation, argument slash discussion about what actually being on holiday meant to both of us. And it wasn't just about not being at home. It was actually about rest and doing and being different things. So yeah, I'm sometimes a dream to live with. Just want to put that on the table. <laughs> but I know this about myself. Like work is my escape. It's my comfort. It's the way I soothe myself. It's where I find myself. And in lots of ways, that is a huge blessing. But it also means that I can tip over pretty easily into overwork. And when the pandemic started and we went into lockdown, I sort of froze a bit. I found that... I didn't really have any ideas. I wasn't feeling particularly creative. Personally, I was a bit terrified about what COVID might mean because I have underlying heart and lung stuff going on. So last year, 2020, was not fun for lots of reasons. And because I just didn't feel that inclination to put stuff out there, I really had a bit of an identity crisis and had to explore like who am I when I'm not able to work and because of that and lots of other reasons that I won't bore you with I spent a lot of 2020 actually working with a therapist and my relationship with my work was something that we talked about a lot and I found that I was able to make sense of this in new ways so I was the oldest child and I grew up taking on a lot of responsibility as a as a little person I became really self-reliant from quite a young age and some of that was because there wasn't many grown-ups in my family making adult choices that felt safe to me so this developed into my own response to anxiety was if I don't do it it won't get done that's the belief I held and that sort of expanded into I can't let the balls drop I can't let other people down. A lot of overworking kind of a response to, to anything that felt uncomfortable. My go-to soothe was to work. And so now I can totally see that it makes complete sense. My therapist was able to share with me that this is a very well-established and understood body of work about how we respond to anxiety. 
And so this was developed by Murray Bowen, who was a psychiatrist working in the 1950s. He was a real pioneer of family therapy and systems therapy for families, really fascinating human. And he found that as anxiety begins to ripple through our bodies, when we're faced with some kind of challenge that makes us feel anxious, we tend to respond by either overfunctioning or underfunctioning. And so this kind of overfunctioning of fixing, taking control, getting the to-do list done, offering advice, all of that is an overfunctioning response. And if you tend to pull back, wait for assistance, hope other people will take responsibility, if you just kind of sit in your feelings around and thoughts around something, then you have an underfunctioning response. And the thing is that, you know, both of these responses, while they're both really normal and understandable, they can create a kind of mutually reinforcing loop. So the overfunctioner will take on more than their fair share of responsibility for things like housework and parenting or finances because they believe if they don't do these tasks, they don't get done. And meanwhile, the underfunctioner will avoid responsibility and not follow through and believe everything's too hard or too complex and it's safer to wait. And so this just reinforces the underfunctioner's dependency. So now the tasks really don't get done and the overfunctioner keeps doing things, right? And so we can end up in relationships and friendships and dynamics where that is playing out. And, you know, we can't forget that our world is pretty obsessed with productivity and loves an overfunctioner, right? So if you identify with that way of being, you're likely to be rewarded for that. Whereas underfunctioners can be seen as the problem child or the difficult partner or the insufficiently motivated employee, all of that. But I think it's so helpful just to see that there isn't really a problem here. This is a kind of dynamic that works as designed. Like taking control is how overfunctioners like me soothe their anxiety. We do rather than feel. And accepting control is how underfunctioners soothe their anxiousness. So they feel rather than do. But we end up accusing the other of either laziness or nagging, right? So once you learn about this pattern, you start to see it everywhere. And I think it's kind of horrifying to realize that in being self-employed, I've created this perfect storm, right? Of having to wear 87 different hats, being rubbish at delegating or asking for help and generally priding myself on coping. That's the perfect condition set for pretty pathological levels of overfunctioning. So if you're listening and you identify with this and you are also self-employed, how sophisticated is the system that's operating in you that has helped you create this place where you can feel safe, right? You can kind of create safety. But of course, like anything, if we lean too far into one way of being, it can tip over into a sort of shadow pattern of behavior. And often we get to... For overfunctioners, we get to a place of burnout, and for underfunctioners, we get to a place of just deep, unfulfilled dreams, you know, feeling like all of our potential is just being wasted. So, at some point, we usually want to break this pattern 
And somewhat annoyingly, in order to do that, we have to believe different things and we have to behave differently to get different results. So underfunctioners need to step up and try more things, hard things, and this means embracing the risk of getting it wrong and just being able to tolerate that. While us overfunctioners, we need to sort of step back and do less, which means potentially letting things happen that we wished hadn't happened and tolerating the resulting anxiety of that, right? And so this makes total sense. And I think as a coach, this is very interesting. It's logical. But I'm so much more fascinated by why we don't do these things that we know would help us. So without a doubt, we're in a productivity obsessed world that keeps telling us that we can never do enough. We can never create enough, be visible enough. You know, we all need constant entertainment. And so that creates this awful dynamic where there's an expectation that we'll be perpetually visible, creating some kind of entertaining fuel for the masses to consume, right? So this is why everybody's dancing on TikTok. (laughs) And that plays into our own tendencies to overfunction. It can also exacerbate feelings of underfunctioning that somehow there's something wrong there, that we're not doing it right, we're not participating in a way that is expected. But you know, for me as a person who is really interested in our beliefs and our behaviours and how that creates our lives, you know, I believe that we do everything for a damn good reason. And in this case, I think nothing has gone wrong. We're just taking care of ourselves the best way we know how. And what I'm hoping is that this allows for so much self-compassion, right? However your functioning tendencies shows up, as you start to explore this, if this idea interests you, it makes so much sense. And you just, all you have to do is ask yourself, where did I learn to, that this was the best way? Where did I learn that this would keep me safe? That underfunctioning or overfunctioning would keep me safe. And you just get to explore this in your own life, where you have learned this. It will not have been created in a vacuum. So as I've been thinking about this for myself, I've really understood that I need to consciously do less in order to have more rest, in order to really experiment with what it means to have more balance. That's meant being with my own thoughts and feelings about that and how this impacts other people and how I think and feel about that. And this is one of the reasons why I am an overfunctioner, right, is to avoid all of this. So asking for more help, delaying some things, pausing others, pulling out of some things altogether. These are the evaluations that I've been making on everything that I've got in my calendar for the rest of the year. So I really wanted to do this quite consciously and as cleanly as I could sort of do it. So I've literally just gone through everything. What is on the, my calendar for the rest of the year and the first part of next year? Remember, I'm a planner and made some choices. Is this something I must do? Could someone on my team do it? Does it need to happen now or as often as it happens now? Is this something I still have the capacity for? And I've made really active choices about everything 
And, you know, sometimes this has been pretty joyous. Like Scott, who is my support coach in the coaching academy, he's stepping up to do more and to share some of the work I do. He's really excited about that. And Shauna, who's my right-hand woman, she is heading off to Oz um, back home for a holiday. And so we're just working through how she gets a proper break too. And we've made some choices like my weekly newsletter and the podcast is going to be pausing. So for July and August, there just won't be anything new and that's okay. And I've also had some really difficult experiences. I I let down someone I was planning to collaborate with on a project and that wasn't well received at all. And now there is this unspoken, unresolved hurt and disappointment between us. And I don't know what that will mean or what will happen there but I do know that sometimes that happens like we just can't control how other people will receive what's true for us what we need how we feel that's just the risk that's there but what I love is that I know I've made choices that I like that feel good to me I've tried to be as open and transparent as I can about that and obviously done it imperfectly and humanly but that's okay that's a good result for me And so now I've got two months, eight whole weeks of working one and a half to two days a week. I got this extended experiment in playing with rest. And, you know, for me, I'm really intentional. I love playing with intention. So I know I want to feel rested and playful and languid. I love that word languid. So I'm reducing all my obligations to a bare minimum, communicating those intentions to my clients and my team and my people and you guys, my my listeners. And I'm paying real attention to those protective beliefs that surface all the time, that are surfacing. Even before I started recording this podcast, I thought, does anyone really care about this? Like, isn't this so indulgent just to kind of go, hey, guess what? I'm taking eight weeks. But actually, I thought... No, there's going to be someone listening who's like, oh, this feels like a massive permission slip and I'm going to see what I can do, right? And maybe it's just going down to, you know, an extra half day a week that you allow yourself. But saying no to extra invitations can even be the thing that brings stuff up, right? And just, I'm just allowing it to feel uncomfortable at times. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable. But the payback is huge. Like I have a massive stack of books that I cannot wait to read. I've got podcasts I want to listen to, TV shows that I've got saved up in the TiVo. I want to swim in the sea and catch up with my friends and make no plans and see what that feels like. You know, and I still want to keep my commitments to the things that I've already said that I will do that feel really good to me and feel like I have the capacity for this. And I also want to create some space just to see what comes up. So massive experiment. I have no idea what two entire months of much reduced work will mean. I have no idea who I'm going to be emerging as on the other side. But oh my goodness, I'm so excited about what's coming up in the second half of the year. Do stick around. But um, try and have some time off in between, yeah? Okay, lovely people. I will see you on the other side. (music) 
Hey, if you're going through a change right now or some kind of transition, if you're feeling a bit lost at sea or you're just struggling to find a decent coach to talk to, I really want you to think about Self-Belief Coach Match. This is a matchmaking service for trained, qualified, brilliant practitioners that I have trained personally in my self-doubt methodology. Self-Belief Coach Match launches in May of 2021, if you're listening live. You can register using the link in the show notes. You'll be able to work with a coach for a single session or for a package of six sessions of self-belief coaching. So do sign up if you're looking for a coach, if you want some support to make your way through the next stage of change for you. I'd be so honoured to hook you up with one of the best coaches I know.